0: This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell. Joining me are the Toledo Symphony's President and CEO, Zach Vassar, Principal Second Violin and Artistic Administrator, Merwin Sue, And we have a special guest with us today. That is Bob Bell, who is President Emeritus of the Toledo Symphony. Welcome to you, Bob.
1: Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Today, the episode is entitled All About Andre. We're going to be talking about Andre Watts, who is making a return appearance this weekend with the Toledo Symphony. The concert is happening at 8 o'clock p.m. this Friday and Saturday, February 1st and 2nd. This is at the uh, Toledo Museum of Art Paris style, Elaine Trudel conducting the Toledo Symphony. We're going to hear that wonderful piano concerto by Edvard Grieg that everybody knows and loves. We'll also hear... The Tchaikovsky Symphony Number no. Six, the Pathétique. This is really a powerhouse program, I have to say. And beginning with the Hebrides Overture by Felix Mendelssohn, and there is an interesting story behind the selection of that. Merwin, why don't you tell us about it?
2: Absolutely. I think we really wanted to include the audience in the programming of the series, and Alain chose four overtures that he felt would begin this powerhouse program effectively um beethoven's egmont overture um weber's der freischütz overture um verdi's la forza del destino overture and mendelssohn's hebrides and we closed the voting and it was a tie a, how did you pick the, 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 the
0: contenders?
2: These were a lens choices. We yeah, okay. needed something that like didn't have say seven bagpipes or a dangling accordion <laughs> or something. Something that you know fit Excuse the instrumentation. Excuse me. A dangling
3: accordion. <laughs> it's like when you finish the
0: sentence with a, a preposition. A, like exactly. a participle. Yeah. yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, a dangling absolutely. accordion. Where did you
2: put the, the accordion? All the rage in Canada. <laughs> so
1: this was an audience choice. It was
2: yeah. an audience choice. It, it, Hebrides and Forza del Destino was a photo finish so via social media we extended the vote, I think another twenty four hours and some devoted Mendelsonians pulled pulled the Hebrides overture across the yeah. finish line. Can I tell you
0: a secret if you
2: promise not to tell anybody? You are on the radio I, I just want well, to point out.
0: You voted? I, I know. <laughs> I, I did vote. I, I voted for the Hebrides. So oh, I, wow. I think it was my vote that actually put it over the top.
2: That that's amazing.
0: How many yeah. times did you vote for the Hebrides? I, I don't remember. Vote early and vote <laughs> so often. Yeah. do you
1: intend to attend the concert, Brian?
0: Brad, <laughs> <laughs> I will attend the concert Bill. if you can, if you can remember my name. That's okay. It's, I got it. Yes, sir, Brad. <laughs> you can. I mean, Ooh, I understand. You Your name is knighted. Bob. My name is ba- Brad. <laughs> 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 okay. There's not enough coffee in the world, shall we say, <laughs> to uh, activate the brain. Today. I think there's actually something that happens when somebody mis-
3: misspeaks their own name. That's a, that's, yeah. that's a strike against you, sir. But I
0: not only misspeak it, I, I have often misspelled my name as Bard instead of Brad and not realized it until later. <laughs> well, it's it's, yeah. it's poetic. You mean as exactly. in Bart Simpson? Uh, similar to that, only with a D, as in Shakespeare, Bard Sim- Shakespeare. Okay. And, and you know, his name was William. Yeah. Somehow <laughs> I did that with the communications between my daughter's school and myself, so I keep getting these emails about my daughter's grades addressed to Bard. <laughs> <laughs> be the Bard. Yeah. 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 But we digress. So yes, the Hebrides be... overture, yeah. opening the program. And then of course the star of the evening is Andre Watts returning after a fifteen year absence. Now, before we start talking about Andre and talking about the Greek piano concerto and all of that, I have a little Andre Watts quiz. To test our knowledge of this remarkable artist, and also to sort of acquaint our listeners with Andre Watts, if they don't know him. I mean, he hasn't been here in 15 years, so, you know, maybe he's been off the local radar for a while. I really hope we aren't going to humiliate him with a quiz, though. I mean, he is one of the
3: greatest pianists living today.
0: Absolutely, and the quiz speaks to that. Okay. This is not a silly quiz. Okay. Well, with that in mind, let me pull up a little music here for us. <laughs>
2: Ooh, this It is, is a little Grieg. Yeah.
0: yeah, little Edvard nice. Grieg there in nice. the background. Right, Hall of the Mountain King. Nice quiz music. Andre Watts was born in was it Germany, France, or the United States? Germany. I have a feeling Bob's going to know the answer to all of these. I think. I he better will. recede
1: into the background very soon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he was born in Germany. His father was uh, an African American soldier, Herman Watts, who was stationed in Germany, and his mother was a Hungarian refugee who played the piano. Her name was Maria Alexandra Gusmitz. When he was eight years old, he moved to what city in the United States? Was it New York, Philadelphia, or San Francisco?
2: I have Philadelphia in the
0: brain. Yay! I have it too. It was Philadelphia when he was eight years old. The first instrument he played, however, before they Ooh. moved to Philadelphia, was a dangling accordion. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> when he was four years old, did he start out on the piano? It could be a trick question. The clarinet or the violin?
2: How many four-year-old clarinetists? Are the there? violin. <laughs> yeah, I would go for violin. Yeah. Yes, the violin. Boy, no, I, you guys are three for three right now. I want to hear a four-year-old clarinetist. That, that would be really <laughs> difficult.
0: <laughs> yeah. You start out on a kazoo and then we yeah. move them over to clarinet. Absolutely. Okay, number four. Uh, Andre Watt studied the piano with his mother, who held up what famous composer slash pianist as a role model for his practicing aesthetic, if that makes sense? Was it Franz Liszt? Frederick Chopin, or Ludwig van Beethoven? That would be Liszt. Yay! Franz Liszt. Don't forget his mother was Hungarian. Yes. Ah, as was Franz Liszt. Number five, Andre Watts won his first important competition when he was, was it age
2: five, age nine, or age 11? I feel like this, this hinges on the definition of important. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> it wasn't, you know, the local neighborhood... <laughs> Well,
0: was, I think he was 16 when uh, uh, he made his yeah. New York Philharmonic. But before premiere, that, so when he played with uh, when he played in Philadelphia, he won an important contest. Was he 5 years old, 9 years old? It is You have a 1 in 3 chance here. 5 years old, 9 years old, or 11 years old. I'm going to go for 9.
2: Nice. Oh, wait, I'm First sorry. That's right.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I hit the wrong
3: button. Yes.
2: Did you get decaf coffee today, Brad? Was that the problem? Uh, no. No. Um,
3: sh- should I con- consider that maybe some of my previous... Uh, strikes that no, actually been no, correct, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, and all the quizzes that I've no. lost. <laughs> no, no,
0: this is not like where you know the the prosecutor gets in trouble and then you have to reopen all of his cases, right? <laughs> sure about that? Yeah, it's my <laughs> quiz. I'm sure about it. So he was nine years old when he won a competition to perform in one of the Philadelphia Orchestra's children's concerts. Mm. But and you mentioned when he was 16, he also won another competition. To make his debut with, was it A, the Philadelphia Orchestra under Ormody, B, the New York Phil under Bernstein, or C, Chicago Symphony under Reiner? B.
2: yeah, B, B for it Bernstein.
3: Was, it was a Young People's as well, and yeah. I just watched the video of it, and I can't remember the exact quote, but uh, Bernstein comes out and he says something like, I have the distinct privilege to perform with Mr. Watts. Yeah. And you think about the 16-year-old. Pianist. Pretty That's a pretty high praise.
0: Exactly. So after that young people's concert, Leonard Bernstein hired Andre Watts to fill in for what famous pianist, <laughs> which helped to solidify his career. Was it Glenn Gould? Was it Leon Fleischer Or was it Leonard Bernstein? Who did he hire to fill Th- in? That would be Gould. Yay! Glenn Gould. It was just wow. a
3: couple weeks after the uh, young people's, and I think he played the list, uh, play the list. both times. Yeah. Yeah. Had, You've really done
0: twice. your research here, Zach. That's good. His first album, With Bernstein and the New York Phil, came out when he was 17. It was a Grammy Award winner for Best New Classical Artist. Andre Watts played a piano concerto by what composer on that? I'm not even going to give you the choices. Just tell me. <laughs> it was Liszt, wasn't it? Yay! It was Franz Liszt, piano concerto number one. That album had somewhat of a slightly superlative title, which was, was it The Fantastic Mr. Watts? Was it The Exciting Debut of Andre Watts, or was it Introducing Andre? Which one of those three was the title of his first I, album when he was 17? I feel like
2: it's B. I'm going to go for B. Yay!
0: The Exciting Debut of Andre Watts. Okay, final question. We made it. You guys have got, like, a perfect record here. Okay. No, way to jinx us. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah. We better, we, we're going to... So Except for the one I counted wrong, which was actually right. Don't forget it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last question. No pressure. Which of the following concertos did Andre Watts wait to start performing until he was in his 50s? Was it Rachmaninoff number three? Was it Tchaikovsky number one? Or was it the Grieg? It's, piano the, Grieg. it's the Grieg. It's the Grieg. Yay! The Grieg Piano Concerto. Yeah. yeah. I read an interesting interview with him uh, not too long ago where he talked about the fact that. He held off on that because it was, you know, so popular and had been done by so many different pianists. He wanted to make it fresh. Mm-hmm. The only way he could do that was by, you know, taking his time. Should we all have such patience? Right? <laughs> it says a lot about an artist that they're willing to
3: wait, you know, to make sure they have something to say about it. Yeah. I think we've all heard a recording that we wish probably hadn't been made. Something that didn't really say anything new. So that's kind of refreshing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Bob, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experiences with Andre Watts, because he's been here several times, but hasn't been here for a while.
1: Right. He came in 1970, right? Zach, for the first time, with Serge Fournier, and he was fairly young at that time, and I think that's something that the Tulio Symphony has always had a reputation for, identifying emerging artists at the beginning of their career when they're more or less affordable. And later on, it changes. <laughs> However. Well,
3: but yeah. we, we, we we do create long relationships with these folks. Right, and I think right, Andre Watts right, is a really well, good example of
1: that. But Andre has always been a good person to work with. And his manager, or his agent, Linda Martyr, is one of the classiest people in the business and very easy to work with. And I know Zach has had recent experience with her.
0: Yep, yeah. In fact, she'll be coming for the concert. Uh, tell us how this came about because – well, I mean, has Andre Watts been on your radar since you came here? Or? Absolutely, he's been. I, so I'm a big Andre
3: Watts fan. So I remember I was a kid. Um, my sister was living in Chicago, and she she knew I loved Andre Watts because I think I had that debut album. I couldn't remember the name of it though, um, <laughs> but uh, she got me tickets to see him perform with the Chicago Symphony, and they did the Tchaikovsky first. Um, so all the way back i've i've really loved this guy and i remember seeing him in toledo in the late 90s with uh andrew massey and when we went into this 75th anniversary year we really wanted to have kind of a a a great returning artist um, a high caliber performer who'd been here before and we looked at a bunch of different options and we kept going back to andre watts because he is um he's the only soloist to perform with every music director going back to Serge Fournier. So mm. he's, this will be his eighth performance in Toledo, which says a lot. Um, but that doesn't mean that he's been here every three years. It's been 15 years since he's been at the Peristyle. So, and, and if you look at the concerti that he's brought here, that 1970 debut that, that Bob was talking about was the, the Brahms' second concerto. So for a young kid, it's that's a, that's a meaty uh, concerto to come with. Yeah. Um, he did Beethoven 4, he did Beethoven 5, he did uh, Liszt 2nd, the One one uh, with uh, Fournier again on the same program as a Rachmaninoff concerto. He did Brahms with Massey, that's the concert I remember, uh, in 98. And then he was last year in 2004 with uh, Stefan Sanderling Mozart. to perform Mozart, yeah. 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 So that's a that's like the entire catalog of great concerti, as far as I'm concerned, and to add Greek to it, it just made so much sense.
0: It, it's a wide ranging uh, repertoire, but all of them have something in common. They're, they're all uh, somewhat serious, you know, really important concert works mm-hmm. for the piano. And, and the interviews that I've read with him, he seems to be a very serious artist in, in the sense that he really wants to find the core uh, of what the, the composer was creating in that work. When he was talking about the Greek Piano Concerto, he talked about a lot of other pianists kind of over-romanticizing the piece, and for people who are not familiar with it, let me play just a, a little bit of the first movement. I don't know that, uh, here we go. Now everybody knows that famous opening, right? Right. It sort of has a little bit of a gothic feel to it, and I think a lot of those feelings have been sort of I- impressed upon it Yeah. It, even since makes, it was written.
3: even makes a strange appearance in How to Succeed a Business Without Really Trying. It, it, you're talking about the stage,
0: the that, musical? Th- that moment, yeah, it shows yeah. up in the, in the score. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, but everybody knows this concerto, um, and, and getting back to the interview I read with Andre Watts, he talked about how a lot of it is taken for granted. Mm-hmm. A lot of pianists have sort of been a little perhaps more indulgent than Mm -hmm. others and his idea was to try to get back to basics Mm -hmm. play things in the tempo that the composer wrote, play things without as much rubato, say and and in your experience in in hearing him or working with him, would you agree with that idea that that that's the sort of thing that he seems to go for in his performances?
1: I wonder if Merwin wouldn't have a great perspective in that because he sits right next to him during the (laughs) performance. (laughs)
2: often that's a very intimidating but very exciting place to be I think um, when you're watching a great artist like that I think one thing that's really impressive when you're listening to Andre Watson recording is there's this robustness and power in the sound but when you're watching him perform the power doesn't come from like these grand gestures moving all over the, the it's very contained you have this sense of immense power but it's all very kind of very marshaled yeah. um, and I think that with with the Greek piano concerto that should really serve him extraordinarily in good stead I think um, it's an A minor concerto very much in the tradition of the Schumann A minor concerto and I think that a lot of times as you mentioned kind of the gothic associations of that key um, really kind of overwhelm the entire performance but I think um, Andre talks about uh, Mr. Watts talks about how harmonically inventive Grieg is, and that he takes us into surprising keys and i I'm really excited to see how he does that as opposed to making it all this one giant, dark a minor right. palette
0: but I'm really curious about this idea of you sitting next to him in the performance can you Can you
2: sort of describe the physical layout of how that works? And this might actually change because of the way Alain uh, Trudeau likes to set up the orchestra with the first violins and the second violins opposite each other. But typically, um, with the first violins and the second violins next to each other, uh, the front stand of second violins is basically right alongside the the keyboard. And we really get an amazing view. And it's one of the times you just, when there's an orchestra um kind of a uh, break in the orchestral tutti you you have to be really careful not to completely lose track of where you are in your part and just uh, get lost in, yeah. the, in the pian- piano playing. Well, just
0: be happy they don't ask you to turn pages while you're there. That has happened, and it's not a good <laughs> <Really>? idea. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Now, Bob, I-, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit and see if maybe you had some fun uh, stories that you can or cannot tell about uh, <laughs> Andre and his experience with Toledo.
1: Well, I I certainly... He's had uh, a number of interesting experiences in Toledo. He's made some terrific friendships here, lifelong ones, actually. Yeah. However, um, one of the more uh, sad memories I have, it's not necessarily sad, but I went to New York when, um, in the early days when I was uh, president of the orchestra, and he had invited me with with his companion, who was from Toledo, and, and they were together for quite a number of years, to dinner. And... Uh, Unfortunately, I had stopped at a street stand because I was hungry and had a, some sort of a sandwich, which was devastating. Oh. And the sandwich was, was devastating or the well, fact I that I was, you had it? I a- mean, I was uh, – so – and poor Andre said, well, but we got a salmon for you. I said, I mean I I was unable to walk I mean oh. so
0: Can I just say that would not have stopped me uh, I <laughs>
1: Well <laughs> I I don't want to talk about the restrooms at uh Lincoln Center <laughs> At least the sinks that is. Speaking of the sinks. devastating, oh, no. the sinks. Yeah. Oh. especially
0: back. What decade was this? Yeah. Back this in the nineties or eighties? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so anyway,
2: so yeah. your dinner with Andre was not the same as my dinner with <laughs> uh, Andre. <laughs> no, no. Or, or was that your lack That's of right. dinner? That's a, that was with a great Andre. film, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So, so. Yeah. I'm actually surprised Zach didn't pull that. That's well, all right. But, I was I, I was stuck
3: yeah. on Lincoln Center. Um, yeah. One of my very. Um, Happy moments uh, in coming to the orchestra is that there's a painting on the wall of the president's office of of Andre Watts playing the piano at the peristyle. Interesting, yes. And uh, it, I know it 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 is. It is yours, Bob, and it's been there for a number of years, and I admired it when it was in your office and when it was Kathy's office, and I was happy that uh, you allowed me to keep it on the wall there on a temporary loan. But uh, do you want to talk a little bit well, about the background there?
1: Well, thanks. I was actually going to bring that up okay. to say
3: that you had that, and it
1: was uh, it was most appropriate because of all the things you have just said about your admiration for Andre and so forth. It was painted by Linda Amesbell, who was a professor of art at the museum. Who did a number of portraits of Andrew, a- Andre, and I think Andre Watts. And just I think don't call him has, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I think Andre himself may have one, but I would be reluctant to have asked him that on the interview today, just in case. Sure. But uh, but uh, Linda came to the Peristyle for rehearsals. And matter of fact, it happened over more than one season. Mm. I mean, because he was here consecutively early on a couple of times. And she would come and sketch at the uh, Peristyle and then go back and then created this particular painting that Zach has in his office, which I've heard a number of people uh, uh, talk about as a a fine example of her work. And actually, she is the one who has said it's okay to stay there. Okay. Well,
0: thank you to her. Uh, I, I want to get a little bit into the actual logistics of the concert, and I know a lot of people that are going to be showing up to see this are going to be there, obviously, to see Andre Watts. I mean, mm-hmm. it's going to be a once-in-a-lifetime experience for a lot of folks. I think we're a lot of us
3: are seeing this as an occasion to celebrate many things. The history of the orchestra, 75th anniversary, yeah. um, the the leadership we have in our trustees, uh, museums excited uh, that Andre Watts will be coming back to the peristyle. So I think, you know, within this world of classical music which is you know a small world we're all very excited this week um and and i and i don't want to just say that it's simply the greek piano concerto we're excited about you know the, the, let's not forget that alain Trudel has brought us the tchaikovsky six um it was his you know last um guest performance where he played the Tchaikovsky fourth, which is the theme song for this right. program. Yeah. Um, and and I remember his Tchaikovsky was, was very forceful, very beautiful. It
0: radiated off the stage, and I'm very excited to see what he brings to that. Well, we've pivoted a little bit here to Tchaikovsky. Do we, we want to talk about that particular piece for people that may not be familiar with it? It's also known as the Pathetique. Symphony, right? I'm looking at you, Merwin. That is one of those things
2: that really just doesn't translate well in program notes. You <laughs> yes. can't just go Not the pathetic. Pathetic, pathetic. It right, doesn't right. really work as well. I think well, <laughs> describe
0: how it does work. What is what does it mean?
2: Well, I think it maybe the the word that better applies is pathos mm-hmm. and this sense of mourning and the sense of loss. It's a very unconventional symphony for Tchaikovsky. It begins very very slowly and the first movement never really kind of settles into a typical allegro that mm-hmm. Tchaikovsky would would launch and then there's a beautiful waltz movement but that's totally wrong mm-hmm. uh, it's not actually in 3/4 it's in 5/4 and yet it feels it just has the same dance-like character that Tchaikovsky's waltzes have, and it's one of my favorite movements to perform. There's a real ease to that movement, which completely um, sets every other movement apart. Because that second movement, I think the movement that's probably talked about the least, just has this this cheerfulness and this joy and this grace mm-hmm. that um, that I, I just love performing that movement, and then. The third movement is an exciting, um, invigorating march that it's almost impossible not to applaud at the end of that march, even if you know there is a finale coming. And I would just personally like to say that I don't judge anybody who does. <laughs> just I don't want to speak— as an organization or as for my fellow musicians, but I also have that urge when I'm listening to that piece
0: well we have an opportunity here because we can we can gauge how many people actually heard this podcast by how many people applaud
2: now after the <laughs> after the march in your performance. I'll listen for that in the in the recording of it but in that final movement just it feels like Tchaikovsky allows his emotions to you know pour forward in this incredible melancholic canvas and he doesn't do that very often Um, he we're actually we just came off performing a Tchaikovsky piano trio and he does that in that in that elegiac movement as well but Mm -hmm. it's usually something that he kind of keeps more under wraps and in the last movement of the Pathétique Symphony I feel like there's a dam that breaks a little bit and it's a it's Very vulnerable music, and I think that's it's it's a really interesting experience to sit in the hall after this adrenaline-filled march, and then to watch a composer lay himself bare. Um, This is one that I feel
3: is perhaps the the romantic symphony. Uh, Simply, on one level, you take a you take apart the um, the standard. Sonata form of a of a typical uh, symphony. In some of the issues that Merwin just mentioned about the dance, that's not really a, a waltz. The 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 fanfare in the third movement, the slow movement at the fourth movement, the the kind of wandering first movement. Um, but it's high drama. The whole the whole symphony sets up as high drama mm-hmm. at many points. Um, it's it 's terrifying and it's uh it, it 's ferocious music there 's a point about nine or ten minutes into the first movement where you know the wave crests and um you know I just it that 's some of the most intense music I can think of um you know the the third movement uh, the march uh, herbert von Karajan's daughter said she had the misfortune of watching her father rehearse that movement with the Berlin Philharmonic ones. And she was afraid of her dad in that moment because he wow. could get that many people to make that kind of a sound. Think about that, yeah. right? Um, and then the fourth movement. I agree with your comments, Merwin. It's uh, it, it it it's it's not gushing um, in sentimentality, but the floodgates are open with a sense of prolonged sorrow. And you know, we think about this with the lens of Tchaikovsky being suicidal at this point in his life. Um, and this being his last great composition, it is his farewell to music. And um, you know, I, I I don't think I would change a note. I would well, just say
1: that on the wandering aspect of the first movement yeah, yeah. that both both Merwin and Zach have spoken about, I would say, however, probably the most incomparably in
3: beautiful melodies exist here
1: oh, yeah. more than any other of his symphonies it's, it's in
3: some sublime. ways his most modern I mean you think right, about yeah. he's playing with a form but he's mastered it right. we've all heard music that wanders that we wish <laughs> it didn't um, I, I simply use that adjective because it it, it is formless but it is, it is, it is full of melody yeah, it I, I had a professor in, in college once say that Tchaikovsky couldn't do transitions. He would have this shape, and then he would move it to this shape, and there was no transition in between. But it was all very tuneful, and you could enjoy it. And I think by the Sixth Symphony, he had found his way around that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, what you're talking about uh, sounds like his ballets, you know, the, right. the scenic kind of formula. The right. yeah. uh, Symphony number no. 6 is a far cry from the Nutcracker. Indeed. Right? Indeed. And although I, it might be interesting for you to make a, a cameo as Mother Ginger in the... Uh, the <laughs> Pathetic Symphony. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, but it would it would be like this sort of like sad clown.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that was a good one. Yeah. That
0: was that one deserves a little applause. Well, uh, we're about we're running out of time. I wonder if anybody wants to take the last word. We haven't really talked a whole lot about the Greek piano concerto itself. We talked a lot about Andre Watts, who's going to be back here. But does anybody have anything they want to say about the concert when it was uh, done in Toledo last? I uh, believe Cornelia Hermann, yeah.
2: Um yeah. Uh, she's a German-Japanese um, pianist who also played it very beautifully. Um, I think it was a, a very refined performance. I think this, I'm, I'm an- anticipating maybe a greater sense of power. In yeah. this performance yeah. And so you my- weren't
1: distracted Watching the keyboard During that performance
2: <laughs> <laughs> I do remember the concertos so And that's a good start uh, <laughs> So I'll
3: tell you about this performance That you just brought up um, So I've never seen The Grieg performed live mm-hmm. And I, that was to be the first And I was quite excited And you, you kind of look through I, So I keep records on these things Of course um, uh, Strange enough to <laughs> no. do that I got through the first three minutes of the first movement, and then I had a magnificent coughing fit. Oh, nice. uh, so I ran out to the peristyle lobby, and I ended up listening to the entire concerto through the doors.
2: Very sad. Uh-oh. Stay healthy. Yes. Yeah.
3: So this will, again, I hope this weekend be the first time I see the Greek concerto. So in
2: your records, did you, have you seen the Greek half a time? It says, abbreviated. Oh. Abbreviated, ah. <laughs> <laughs> To be continued,
0: <laughs> This is what it says. Well, if anybody sees Zach, uh, you know, at the concert, please give him a cough drop, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank everybody for uh, coming in today and joining us, especially our special guest, Bob Bell, President Emeritus of the Toledo Symphony Orchestra. Also thanks to Zach Vassar and Merwin Sioux. This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony. You can download episodes of this program as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple and Google Podcasts. I'm Brad Cresswell, and you've been listening to Toledo Symphony Lab on FM 91.